Welcome to another inspiring message from LifePoint Church, recorded live in Adelaide, Australia. It is our prayer that you would experience the life-changing power and presence of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. Enjoy. If you have a Bible, turn with me please to the book of Matthew and chapter 3. It's been unintentional, but the last three times I've preached here in church, I've really been preaching out of the life of John the Baptist. This is not really the life of John the Baptist, but I am going to jump from the moment of Jesus' baptism for just a moment. And uh, so I won't read uh, just yet, but I will, I want to just give you a a little thought before I start, which I found fascinating. A pastor in in the USA was preaching on a Sunday morning in, in Missouri, in America, in a city called St. Joseph. And he asked the congregation, how many of them really want to please God more than, every, more than anything else? How many of them want to please God more than anything else? And every hand in the building went up. Every hand went up. And so then he asked them a follow-up question. He says, how many of you think God is really pleased with you? Out of over 400 people, one 11-year-old boy and one 10-year-old girl raised their hands. That's all. Everybody wants to please God. But the question that, that maybe we could ask ourselves today is why would we feel like we're not pleasing God? Why, why is it that we, we feel like we're not pleasing to God at all? And I want to just start here because I want to teach a little bit into this this morning and, and, and show you big picture uh, how it is that we actually do please God as Christians. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that pleases God. I don't, I don't want to live a life that just pleases myself. I want to live the kind of life that's beyond myself, that brings pleasure to God in heaven. And, and so I want to start here in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And it says this, and of course, it's talking about Jesus. It says, when He had been baptised, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. Can I just say, they were open then 2,000 years ago and they've never been closed since. Heaven's been open for 2,000 years. You don't, the, the, some, sometimes we think, oh man, there's an open heaven here today. No, it's open people. There's always an open heaven, but it's about us being open to the things of God and to the power of the Holy Spirit. The heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in whom I take pleasure in, I delight in, I approve of. He has my acceptance, he has my approval. This is what he's saying. He has my endorsement, all of those things. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now it's important that we have a look at when this has taken place. Jesus hadn't walked on water. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Jesus hadn't healed one person. Jesus hadn't cast out a demon. He hadn't made a disciple. He had done nothing in terms of ministry, but God says, I'm pleased. Now, let me say this this morning. So if you're thinking, do I please God? Nothing you do is is, is gonna bring pleasure to God in terms of whether or not He endorses, whether He accepts, whether He backs. The minute you accepted what Jesus did on Calvary by faith, 
Now, God's just, it's not even fair how good God's grace is. It's an unfair system that seems stacked against God Himself. Because not only did you need faith to accept Jesus, you can go, oh yeah, but my faith got me saved. Who gave you the measure of faith to begin with? God gave you all you need to get what you need from Him. In other words, God is so pleased with you. He's so desiring to take pleasure in you. He gives you what you need to access the pleasures of God. God is pleased with you. Somebody say, God's pleased with me. So I guess I wanna use for a title this morning, pleasing God. But I guess if I was gonna give it a different title, I'd say God's already pleased. He's already pleased with you. The Bible says, In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, we all know this. It says, without faith. Somebody say, without faith. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith in Jesus, faith in Christ. When we talk about faith in Christ, what does that mean? Our faith is anchored in Christ and Him crucified. In other words, our faith is in who He is and what is done. The object of our faith, and I've preached this so many times, especially in recent times, our faith is always anchored in who God is and what God's done. Faith in Christ and Him crucified. So let me, let me go on for just a, a, a few minutes because I wanna lay a foundation. Firstly, God is already pleased with you and the thing we need to, to obtain the pleasure of God He's already given to us. Isn't that, again, it's a deal that seems stacked against God. It's not even fair. Grace isn't fair, but grace is good. It's undeserved. I thank God for His grace. I thank God for His goodness. And, and so the Bible tells us that, that God is already pleased with Jesus. So we don't actually have to seek God for His approval, yet, yet, yet there are ways we can live that please God. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me clarify this for a minute. So often we view our salvation through the lens of justification. So we look at our, our grace, the grace extended to us, whether we're going to heaven or going to hell, through uh, our, our justification. For example, uh, if you sin tomorrow, you're not cut off from eternity in heaven. You're not unborn again. You're not, you're not going to hell. But does that, does that mean you shouldn't repent of that because suddenly you're, you know, because you're so justified that nothing can snatch you out? Yes, you do repent. Now I'll explain why. Because there, there is heavenly grace and there's relational grace. And that is, for example, Donna and I are married. If I do something stupid, maybe I won't be married. But if I do something semi-stupid, I, I, I can guarantee I'm still married, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to restore relationship and keep unity in what we have. And so when, when we walk around with the attitude, we can do whatever we like because grace covers us, but we don't have a repentant heart. We're not showing humility within our relationship with God. And it's so critical as a household of faith to be a people that know what it is to make it right with God and say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. And, and so when it comes to the pleasure of God, in terms of us being justified, as it, we're born again, so we're in God, our sanctification is the process of living a godly life. And so when we're sanctified within our justification, we're born again. We please God because He only sees Himself because He sees His blood. But when we walk within within the confines of our sanctification, walking out our salvation, the Bible talks in Colossians, walking out our relationship with God to please Him. How do we please somebody that's already pleased with us? 
And I want to talk about that for a minute because are we in a works program or do we do whatever we like? It's actually both. He takes pleasure in us because he sees himself in us, but we can still do things and live in a way that blesses God. Are you with me? This, this is going to be old school preaching this morning that we, that we can bless God. What do you give the guy that's got everything? Donna thinks I'm hard to buy presents for because she thinks I have everything. I don't have everything. I don't have a pony. I don't have a... That's what I want for Christmas, a, pony, a Shetland pony. Yeah. But what do you buy for the guy who has streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, sea of crystal, a throne of dominion, uh, cherubim and seraphim? What do you buy for Christmas? I don't, I don't really need that. I've got a seraphim. He's got angels. He's got beasts and elders. I don't even really know what they're doing up there, but they're, they're in worship. They're having a good time. His fire, the Bible says, fire flashes out of the throne. I mean, there's always something going on in heaven. He's got everything he needs. For us to be sustained as Christians, all we need is the resource of heaven. He has, he has everything. So how do we bless the God that has everything? Uh, my son, my beloved son, James, in whom I'm well pleased. I'm his dad. I love him. And he brings me pleasure. I mean, I take pleasure in watching him just do whatever he does and Yesterday, we went lizard hunting. I mean, on Friday, whatever Saturday it was, Friday, we went lizard hunting. I pulled bark off a tree and 20 massive spiders ran out. It was a near-death experience for both of us. We're both in therapy right now, so if you'd be praying for us, we'd appreciate that. But, but here's, here's where I'm going with this. I'm pleased with him. He's my boy. I love my son. I'm proud to be his dad. When he does things that I think are cute, everyone else thinks that's weird. But to me, everything he does, even when he walks funny, I think it's cute. Like at school, he gets a gash in his leg this week. And, and so I go and check on him at school and because and Donna was busy getting her nails done. So I had to go. And, and, and so he's got this little, little gash in his knee and I see him walk into, uh, we go to the sick bay and they put a steri strip on him. And, and so I walk with him to class and he does this whole thing. He, he does, oh. I mean, his leg's fine. I said, your leg's fine. No, I can't walk on the leg. And then the minute we walk in front of his teacher, he just walks in like this. So fine, I'm like, you legend. And everyone else probably thinks that's silly. I think it's awesome because he's my boy. He doesn't have to earn my pleasure. I take pleasure in him. But... I'm putting my son Sam to bed on Friday night and James runs in and he hands me this. $1.20, a little gold plastic bead and there was a Skittle, but I ate it. And, and this, was his, this was his little gift to me just because he loves his dad. And I remember, let me tell you, I'm pleased with him. There's nothing he needs to do to make me love him more. This does not earn my approval, but it brought me joy because he did something Little to say, I want to be a blessing to my dad. And do you know, as Christians, I think our response to his grace should be that we want to bring pleasure. I feel the anointing on this this morning. Why? Because I think as Christians, we get, here's a problem right now. You can download on your TV every Christian network app and you're going to have a thousand different voices that are going to preach a slightly different thing and, and you're going to hear this and you're going to hear that and you've got to put it all together. I still go old school. I still believe that we, we have to live holy lives, that we have to live clean by the grace of God. And I want to bring pleasure to God. So how do you bring pleasure to the God 
who has everything. He has everything. And he doesn't really have a list in the box. I've made a list on my iPad, on my iPhone, whatever, this, this guy. And it's got all the websites of things I like because I'm tired of getting rubbish Christmas presents. My mum will buy me the same thing every Christmas. It'll be pyjamas from Peter Alexander. And they're in the drawer with the other pyjamas I don't wear from Peter Alexander. She's not here this morning. If she was here, I'd say, I love my mum and I love her gifts. So if you tell her, you're out of the church. And, I'll be, and you'll be getting the pyjamas. Um, this is what I'm trying to say to you this morning. <laughs> I've made a list. It's awesome. And I'm going to be distributing that list very soon to all of my family. It has a website for the deodorant I like, for the fragrance I like. And, 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 and Donna thinks it's more to my advantage for me to get the fragrance she likes. And I don't know, I don't know what she means by that. But, but he, he's, here's the deal. I've made a list. God has not made a list. The only list we have from God is the things God hates, which is, I don't really know what to do with that because he says in Proverbs 6, there's six things God hates and a seventh. That's an abomination to him. He just added one. (laughs) Solomon's just just getting excited. 19 more. There are six things God hates. The seventh's an abomination, putting others down, considering yourself superior, spreading lies and rumours, spilling the blood of the innocent, Plotting evil in your heart toward another, gloating over doing what's plainly wrong, spouting lies in false testimony, stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. So we've got a list of the things he hates, but he makes us makes it work a little bit harder for the list of things that bring him pleasure. But if you look all through the Bible, you'll see there's a lot of things that please God. For example, I'm going to give you six this morning. I want you to write these down because I want us to grow together. I want us to be Christians that bless God and please God. Are you happy this morning? Do you believe it today? Number one, how do do we please God? How do we bless God? How do we do what brings pleasure to Him? I've already read a scripture, but I don't think I can move through the body of this message without stopping here first. Number one, how do we please God by faith? The Bible tells us, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This passage identifies faith as being something that brings pleasure to God. The reason I've read it in my text and the reason I've made it point number one is because it works twofold. The actual act of faith brings pleasure to God, but nothing that we do outside of faith brings pleasure to God. So everything I'm gonna preach next still has to be within the realm of doing this stuff by faith. Because faith, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So so you might say, well, what about my righteousness? Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to understand that everything we do has to be within the confines of faith. Faith in Him, a persuaded, confident conviction that God is who He says He is. Faith pleases God. Man, it stirs my faith because imagine if we lived as though stepping out, taking risks, doing something that we'd never done before. If we actually thought, man, by having a go at this, not only am I setting up space for a miracle, creating room for a miracle, I'm also bringing pleasure to God. I know I'm preaching about James a lot this morning. I do have another son, I forget his name, but... We, we went to SeaWorld and there's this roller coaster. It's not like a massive roller coaster, it's like a medium roller coaster. And so, but James was tall enough to ride it. So I said, Do you want, do you want to ride the roller coaster? He says, he says, Yeah, I'd love to ride the roller coaster. And, and so we go there to ride it and then he gets scared and he won't do it. And, and so, so, I, so we walk back and I'm negotiating with him and saying, Come on, James, we've got, we got, we got to do it. And, and uh, he, 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 he's all scared. He, do, he doesn't want to do it. And, and, uh, 
I said, come on, man, you've got you to do it. Will you do it? No, no, no. I said, I'll buy an ice cream if you do it. And you can see he's, he thinks about it and he, he goes, yeah, all right, I'll do it. So we, we, get, we get on this ride and he's all nervous. We're going, tick, 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 tick. You, know, you go up. And the minute we go down, he just comes to life and he loves it. But there was no one lined up. So he said, let's go again. There's nothing that pleases a dad more than seeing his son have a go. Our Father in heaven, when he sees our faith, some of you stepping out in faith, having a go. Do you know that brings pleasure to God? How do you bring pleasure to God? By faith, by believing God, by having a go, by having a crack, by by stepping into something, by stepping out in faith, believing God, praying for a stranger, giving in faith, doing something that's a little bit of a risk. When's the last time you just said, I'm going to have a crack? How much faith does it take you to live your life? Right now, how much faith is actually involved? You go to work, you earn your money, you, maybe you give to the Lord, but you, you, just, you, know, you know what next week looks like. You've got your budgets, you've got everything sorted. How much faith is there in your world? Because I pray every good thing that's ever come to me has come by faith. It's never come by, 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 by just you know, ho- hoping that it'll all work out and just trying to manage what I've got. The big things that have come my way have come with a step of faith, whether it's asking a bold question, whether it's reaching out with, with, the reje- with rejection being totally an option. Faith has always been something for me that's possessed the blessing of God. There are things that God wants to bring you that you'll only get by faith. Stepping out and believing God. I'm gonna keep moving. Number two, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight and verse six, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The second thing, so the first thing is faith. Secondly, it's thinking spiritually. If I was to articulate that a bit clearer, it's being God inside minded. How does that work? That's you and I. When we make a decision, we consult God on the inside of us. It's living with a spiritual mindset. God, what's your will? What's your purpose? Uh, if, if we are to think with our natural mind all the time, we'll make natural decisions. If we're to think with our natural thinking, we're going to make natural decisions. And it's just going to be natural, 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 natural. We've actually got to make spiritual decisions that have got to be governed by the Spirit of God on the inside of us. They've got to be governed by God's leadership in our life, by the Lordship of Jesus on the inside of us. If we live the kind of life that, that we just make decisions and hope God plays catch up with our mind. So many Christians do that. How many decisions do we make and go, oh, it's, you know, it's what we want to do. So we just say, well, God's in it. Or God, God's not always in things. And let me, let me just, it might be a, a, a little aberration from my thought, but so often we say as Christians, and it's a silly thing for us to say, an open door must be God. Do you know Satan can open doors? Do you know the devil can open doors? And sometimes the greatest things that God has for you is a door that's so wide shut, that you need to be a people that say, God, would you open that thing up and, 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 and pray that thing through and believe God for an open door of opportunity and blessing in the name of Jesus. You and I, we've got to be spiritual about this year. We've got to walk spiritually in God because if we, if we make decisions with our natural mind, we're going to hit the wall. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to just live for ourselves. But God wants us to be God inside minded. What does that mean? It's thinking spiritually. 
How does that work? It's allowing the prophetic Word of the Lord to rise on the inside of us. It's hearing God's voice. It's, it's praying for things, making decisions that are spiritual decisions. When I've made natural decisions, that don't work like spiritual decisions work. You and I, we can't think with, with just the natural part of our brain. We have to think spiritually. We, we have to think with the wisdom of God because here's the thing, I'm only as smart as I am, but I want to do something big for God that's going to require greater smarts, greater wisdom, greater anointing. So if I'm carnally minded, I just think through the lens of pragmatism all the time. Carnal, we've made a dirty word, but all carnal is is unspiritual. And not, not everything's unspiritual. I mean, if you paint a wall, it's not a spiritual process. It's a carnal process. And so we've made carnal be the worldly sinful things. No, it's just not bringing God into your decision. And so the Bible says in Romans, we can't discern spiritual things with a carnal mind. Some of us are trying to view God through our pragmatism and it doesn't work. God can't fit into the box of our natural mind. And if we wanna do something significant for God, you and I need to be people who think with the mind of the Spirit. God inside minded, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Wigglesworth used to say, I never pray longer than 15 minutes but I never go 15 minutes without prayer. In other words, he walked in that uninterrupted fellowship with God where God was able to guide him. God was able to speak to him. God was able to use him. God was able to walk with him. God was able to guide him. God was able to help him. And so that's you and me. You and I can walk with uninterrupted fellowship with the God of heaven and earth and see God's blessing in our life. Come on, somebody. Do you believe that this morning? Thinking with with the mind of the Spirit. Thinking with the mindset of God. It's amazing how different your wisdom is when you allow God into your thinking. It's prophetic, it's spirit-led. There's words of knowledge. There's, that you, you can speak into things. So I remember one time, I don't want to go into the, the full details of it, but we were dealing with a pretty serious pastoral thing. This is years ago. And I was on the phone to this person and basically there was a marriage breakdown and there was an affair and, and the person that that, that, that I was talking to had literally gone and bought a prepaid phone, called me, not saying who they were, to let me know the story of what's going on. And we're on the phone. And, and I'm not making this up. I'm lying, sitting on the bed next to Donna at our old house. And it just came out of my mouth. I virtually didn't know this woman, but I named her by name. And I said, and you're bang, and, and basically, and you're, you're, you're with this other person and I named that person. I had no idea. It just literally came out of my spirit. And then on the other, other end of the phone, I hear this dead silence and I just knew. And you might say, oh, did you put two and two together? You couldn't have put two and two together. You couldn't have. It was a spirit of God. It was being God inside minded there. Let me tell you, for us to do what God's called us to do, there's gotta be an element of being spiritual. There's gotta be an element of us actually hearing from God. We've gotta understand how to walk that in Jesus' name. And it takes more than just our smarts. We've gotta be God inside minded. Can you say amen this morning? Number, number three, the Bible says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move quickly. Number three, we're talking about the fear of God, respect for God. Now, it's not that God delights in us being terrified of Him. I'm not scared of God, but I know God could kill me. I know He's not going to, but I know He can. 
He has all power of heaven and earth. He could obliterate this planet with one word. He's, he, so, so people go, I'm not scared of God. Let me tell you, if, if you're on the wrong side of God, it's a scary place to be. But if you're on the right side of God, we should still fear Him and still reverence Him and esteem Him as holy because He is the one that literally took stars and threw them in the sky. These stars are the, the size of the sun. They're big hands that can create and do things. Yet He still has His eye on the sparrow. He knows how many hairs are on your head or in some of the older guys in our church you know knows how many hairs are in your nostrils <laughs> I was going to say except for you Bruce Donaldson that's what that one's even stumped God he he just <laughs> it's a mystery he said no I'm teasing <laughs> what's the fear of God it's acknowledging our deep respect for him when we respect him and reverence him how we worship how we are in his presence. I think it communicates something to God. Yeah. I mean, he takes pleasure in you, but sometimes when we say, God, I reverence you, I worship you, we're giving him a little bag with a bead and a skittle and a dollar twenty. Two, four, six. Yeah, dollar twenty. That's not much. This dollar twenty means more to me than the dollar fifty Joel gave me for my birthday. <laughs> this, mean, this means the world to me. Why? Because my son who has no resource, he has no means. Everything, it's my dollar twenty. <laughs> Literally, it's mine. Donna would have taken it out of my pants and it somehow ended up in his room, yet he gave it to me. The kid understands tithing. It's all mine, but he's still returning some to me anyway. And I'm glad. Here's the, here's the beauty of that, is that, is that I, have a, I have a son who understands how we should respond to our Saviour. When I show God respect, He doesn't need it. He's, he's, he, he, he's got everything He needs. He's, he's self-sufficient. He's all-sufficient. He's, he's actually self-sufficient and self-existent. He doesn't need anything external to make Him feel real God, Godish. Oh man, I'm fully feeling like such a great God today. <laughs> he knows who He is. He's all power and authority is given in his name. He just is. He's, he, I am. He is. He doesn't, he doesn't need anything from us, but the little we give him, those little tokens of saying, God, I want to honor you with my life, it brings pleasure to God. And church, I want to be the kind of church that has a mission to bless God, to pleasure God, to bring delight to God. Number, number four, the Bible says uh, in 1 Samuel, Chapter 15, verse 22, has the Lord, uh, sorry, does the Lord have great delight in burnt sacrifices and offerings? He goes on to say, he says, it's actually better. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. That word delight is pleased. Is God pleased with our burnt offerings? It actually says obedience is greater than sacrifice. When you obey his word, when you live by the word of God, when you're obedient to the things of God, when you're obedient to his counsel and, and, and to his authority. Can, can I just say this? Everything that we need as a foundation of Christianity works best when we recognize that the Bible is the infallible word of God. 
Every time I see Christians slip is when they start to, de- when they start to doubt the, the, the infallibility of Scripture. The minute we, we start to go, oh, Jonah's just metaphorical. Let me tell you, the Bible says he prepared a great fish. You, the God, God can throw a sun in the sky. He can say, let there be light before he created the sun. He, he can create an antelope. He can create a dingo. He can create a cockatoo. He can create a... a, a he can create your mother-in-law. If he can create your mother-in-law, he can create a great fish. He can, he can do. The Bible says this, before Jonah had dis- even disobeyed God, God had prepared, past tense, a great fish. God knew what Jonah was going to do. He prepared something to take him where he needed to go. But the minute we start going, oh, I don't know, is that, is that, is that, is that, oh, I don't know if that's infallible. I don't, I don't know, maybe that's metaphorical. Well, then what happens is you get like some branches of mainstream, mainline Christianity now that call Calvary a fable. You sit here and go, that's not true. I could name churches in this community that would believe that very thing. And, and, and at the end of the day, the minute you start believing that, everything starts to slip. Because suddenly the Bible's not the authority. You're your own authority because you're starting to say, well, this is that. Yeah, maybe that's not. Who are we? Who am I to decide what did happen and what did? Either I embrace this whole thing by faith. And if I can't embrace this by faith, how do I embrace the name of Jesus by faith? How, how, do, I, how do I believe who God is when I don't even believe his own document about himself? We, we start to create an idol that looks like Jesus. It smells like Jesus, but really it isn't Jesus. It's just a Jesus-shaped idol. At the end of the day, we create for ourselves don't make a graven image. We do that with Jesus all the time. When we start and have no other God before me, let's not create a Jesus that isn't Jesus. And so, so obedience to God's will brings pleasure to God. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, uh, 13, 21, may God make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. God's will. I wanna talk about this. If I get to the last two points, that's great. If not, I'll, I'll wrap up here. The will of God. Obedience, what's right and what's wrong. Do you know, there's so many things, decisions that we make as Christians through the lens of, is that right or is that wrong? Should I do that or, or should I not do that? Is this, is this right or is this wrong? And, and the truth is, some things are not clear. Even in Scripture, some things are not clear. And as a church, we're trying to navigate people through is this okay or is, is this not okay? Okay, for example, uh, we know clearly what's not okay. Murder, don't do that. It's not ideal. Uh, we don't recommend murder. There's some things that the Bible's not fully clear about. So is it, is it wrong to have a wine with your meal? Is it, is, it wrong to, is it wrong to wear a certain thing to a party? Is it wrong to date this person or how far is too far or these are all the questions how far is too far isn't it amazing we all want to know what the line is so we can get as close to that line as possible and go here's a line I'm in the kingdom whoops I mean I'm in the kingdom the problem is and then and so what we instead of what instead of actually getting it right we might be keeping technical virginity, but let me tell you, it's basically like muzzling a dog. The dog still wants to bite, it just can't. And so the point that I'm trying to make, if your question isn't, is this right or is this wrong? 
I can't get up here and tell you it's a sin for you to have a wine with a meal. I'm not going to say that because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says no drunk will enter the kingdom of God. So if I know drunkenness has the power to eternally change the outcome of my life, how far do I want to cross into this permissible place before I'm crossing a line that the Bible doesn't rule it out? But it definitely says if you come this far, you're a goner. And so then we're left to ourselves. How do we make the right decision? So let's, let, let's look at this in totality when it comes to holiness. When it comes to how do we conduct ourselves? Young ladies, how do we dress? I was raised in a church Josh still goes to. But I was right, and I thank God for influences, and we all should. Because probably half of the people in this church got saved because of that church. And we should always be praying for, for, for those guys because they're our biggest boat in town. They're winning a harvest like nothing else. And, and, and while they're strong, I think we're all strong. And, and the tide rises. And so we should be praying. But, but here's the deal. I was raised in that church and we're taught modesty. I mean, it's a foreign concept now because half the church will dress immodest. Like my wife, she's, she's quite pretty. But do you know, I don't even know how to say this without getting a little bit, a bit sweaty. But, but at the end of the day, she's not going to get up on, here on Sunday or on social media and, 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 and parade about whatever could be paraded because at the end of the day, we don't make our decisions, is this right or wrong? Some things aren't technically a sin. So how do we approach this and walk out the will of God and please God, I'll show you. This is, if you grab this, this changes everything. So my question to you is not, is this right or wrong? Should I, should I do this? Should I drink this? I think my, my problem is not what I drink, it's what I eat. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, if you would run every question of what you do with your life and say this, does this please God? Well, I'm going out with this guy, he's a Christian. That's not my, that's not my question. Does it please God? Oh, you know, we, you know we, we've got these boundaries in our relationship. Do they please God? Yeah. I'm going to wear this and post a selfie on Instagram. Maybe before you post it, maybe you look just smoking. You look fantastic. Yeah. But at the end of the day, does every boy in Life Point Church or in your world need to see that? Is that good for their spirit? Yeah. And we need our women of God to be women of God and young men unfollow. Don't look at that trash because at the end of the day, I feel like God's calling us to a higher standard. Yeah. Why? Why? So many of the decisions that I make, if I make them through, does this please God? How I treat people. Sometimes when it comes to leading a church, there isn't right or wrong. This is like, does this please God? Does it please God? Church, I want to encourage you. We've got to live to please Him when we make decisions. So when you when you when, when you thinking about should, should should I should I have that drink or or should I have this conversation or should should I date that person? I know it's quiet here, but holiness preaching is not me giving you rules. It's just getting you to understand the revelation of He's already pleased, but He's what you're doing, bringing pleasure to God. And I think the way we live. I reckon everyone could clap that this morning. That's it. That's not. Snaps for Jehovah. Church, we gotta, li- we got to live clean in a dirty world. And people don't preach holiness anymore. And so much of what's modeled is, I think, unclean. And, and we got to get back. I, I, I don't mind a, girls being dressed modestly. You say, oh, you're just an old legalist. No, I'm not. Because I, the Bible says when it comes to, to, to being saved, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. So what does that mean? It means let's not look like the world. Let's not smell like the world. Let's not taste like the world. Let's be salt and light to the world and bring Jesus. And what does that look like? 
It's clean, it's, it, it's holy. And so when it comes to all of these things, I'm gonna hit this again in the 11 too, by the way. At the end of the day, I pray that as a church, be clean, be pure. It's something because so much of what I, I see that agitates me within our fellowship here is not necessarily right or wrong. It's just I'd ask the question, does it please God? I mean, it might please the boys, but does it please the King of Kings? Is it, you know, as a church, I want to encourage you. Even the movies you watch. Donna and I are real careful what we watch. If it's R, we only watch it after 8 o'clock. And if it's MA, the boys have to go to their room. No, we don't, we care, we're careful. Like so many of what, things that people watch. Like Christians that'll watch seasons of the Game of Thrones. I oh, know, here we go. This, you know, I intended to say all this today. I'm not just, I'm not waffling. At the end of the day, I just think, when you're watching, when you're watching two people having simulated sex and you can see all the bits and pieces, when you sit there as a Christian, does it cross your mind and go, does this please God? The very fact they're doing that in front of a camera is breaking the heart of God. And we as Christians, uh, it's, you know, sometimes I just fast forward. Don't watch. Yeah. Oh, while well, I eat the chicken, spit out the bones. I'm not buying the chicken. Yeah. The Bible says in Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. It takes pleasure when we're blessed. Being blessed pleases God. Oh, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I know people don't agree with that. It's funny, like the things that people get mad at us for preaching or mad at the church. Oh, well, you're just preaching motivational stuff. The Bible is the most motivating book that's ever been written. It stirs my faith. And, and God does delight in our prosperity. He delights in the blessing that comes on our life. And then number six, Psalm, 100, Psalm 19 verse 40, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer, our thoughts and confessions, they have the power to please God. What are you thinking about? I don't think we, got, we won't close with a song. I'll just keep keys up for a minute. I just want to, I want to close the message. I want to do two things, if you don't mind, this morning. I just want to stand, for, let's all stand for one minute. Across the house. I want to please God. But can I tell you? If I was to say to you this morning, how many want to please God? Of course, every hand's going up. But here's the thing. If I was to say to you today, how many feel like God's pleased with this? You know, you should also put your hand up because He is. He's pleased with me. I'm not perfect. I can be a little grouchy. I can get it wrong. I make my mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect father. I'm not the perfect pastor. I'm not perfect man but I know God's pleased with me why because at the end of it all I still come under his covering I'm still under his anointing I'm under his grace and where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus and and so today I don't want you to be condemned I just want you to realize that he's pleased with this big picture but what's the little you can bring to bless God, to please Him. I know it's a simple message, but I wanted to stir your faith today. If you say, Dave, I want the help of the Holy Spirit to be a greater blessing to God, just lift your hands to God. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Church, please visit our website, lifepointchurch.com.au.